Welcome to the Richard Rance Show, the weekly show by Richard Rance, and that is me on this podcast, which is broadcasting and posted on major podcast platforms, including Spotify, and as uh, the one that I posted, which is the Google podcast platform on which you can actually Go ahead and subscribe even. And it looks like my comment didn't go up, so I'm just going to go ahead and place it there where you can see it. Thank you for those of you joining me on the podcast. And I am here to talk about issues in the world that I care about, that I believe matter, that I believe we deserve to discuss and contemplate and take action about, and taking action is a very important point. We are in an incredible time of vast change and opportunity to make amazing changes in the way that we live and the way that our lives are governed. And one of the major things that I've noticed happening is the destruction of the idea that capitalism is a valid approach, because it's not. Capitalism worked for a while for some people, and as a end result, it is leading to the destruction of our planet and of all of our species. And dragging down a majority of the rest of our species with us, the rest of the species on Earth. And I pray every day that we can get through this emergency, having learned some important lessons, and allow us to create a world that has greater equality, greater justice for all, and that will create a planet that benefits all living beings, that we can somehow manage to turn this destruction around so that we can preserve the living beings that we have on this earth, the ones that are left, because there aren't many. Over half of the species on earth have gone extinct in the last matter of years, and over half of the ones left are now endangered. So I just pray that we can do something, that we will turn this around, and the capitalist basis for operations where the most important thing that economies are trying to do, that companies are trying to do, is nonstop growth, which relies on increasing exploitation of our environment, and of the natural resources 
that not just humans, but also all of nature depend on, that this exploitation ever increasing cannot continue because the resources of the world are finite. Meanwhile, we have a social revolution happening right now. We have a resistance, a rebellion coming up because amongst the confluence of all of the same contemporaneous emergencies that we are happening, from the COVID emergency to the realization increasingly that we cannot allow the militaristic police forces of this nation to continue to oppress people here, and particularly people of color, and take away black lives in ways that are essentially lynchings. And you remember Clarence Thomas up there getting confirmed for the Supreme Court, grandstanding, and saying this is a high-tech lynching because a woman came forward to tell the world with great difficulty about how this man had harassed her, had sexually harassed her. And, and that was Anita Hill, who is now a major activist for women's rights and is extremely well-respected. Whereas Clarence Thomas, for those of us who follow, he has not distinguished himself. He never had in the first place, and he still hasn't distinguished himself on the Supreme Court. He's reliably one of the more reactionary judges there. And that is one of the main reasons that it is imperative that Donald Trump be removed from office. Imperative. At almost, that is job number one. And I was listening to Rumble with Michael Moore. I follow Rumble with Michael Moore. I admire him and I respect Michael Moore. He is someone who has an intense feeling of honesty, who will not disregard his moral compass, who will not go against his ethics, who will not lie in order to advance his own goals, and who believes in the well-being and welfare of everyone, especially those who have been trodden upon. And he is adamant, he is strong in saying that Regardless of whatever else we do, we have to get rid of Donald Trump. We have to end the Donald Trump regime because he is going to destroy what is left of our democracy, destroy any hope of achieving a society that can truly move towards equality and justice, equal justice for all, as it says in those lovely words in our Constitution and Bill of Rights. Yes, the words are lovely. Yes, the words, those ideals 
are beautiful. And when we take them and we translate them into modern day and we actually try to enact them, which is not necessarily what the founding fathers who wrote those beautiful words actually wanted. But if we analyze it and we go towards doing it, then we will achieve something beautiful. And that is what I am behind. And Michael Moore was talking today about the extreme brutality of the police, which we see every day. And he brought up a very heart-rending parallel, just which I hadn't even recognized, but that in Aurora, Colorado, some of you may have seen the heart-wrenching video of, once again, heartless white police officers murdering an innocent black man. This has happened so many times. The police have been there to maintain the status quo and to maintain white supremacy, white privilege, to terrorize populations, especially populations of color. The police are terrorists, the police are rioters. Riots don't turn violent until the police show up. And you can check all over the country, again and again, the police have shown up and have enacted violence against peaceful protesters. The police are the main vehicles of violence, the main vehicles of terrorism, state terrorism. And that's why the movement to defund the police has been growing. And that means that we don't want a militaristic police force clamping down on us, wearing their riot gear, hiding their faces, wielding batons and so-called non-lethal weapons like rubber bullets, which are actually rubber-coated steel bullets, like pepperball guns and auditory weapons and dogs and tear gas, tear gas, which is prohibited by the Geneva Convention from being used in war because it's an unlawful chemical weapon on the battlefield. And yet, somehow our police forces use this against our own people. Tear gas, a chemical weapon. So yes, defund the police. We don't need the police to come through like an occupying force and brutalize peaceful protesters, knock over a 52-year-old man in Chicago and hit his head, and then the president, the, the hateful, hate-inducing president who tweeted a, a white power video because that's what he does, and he goes and says there are very fine people on the white power side of the, of the protests in Charlottesville where uh, far-right neo-Nazi 
ran over Heather Heyer and killed her and injured other people in the crowd and where people throughout the country of the right-wing persuasion, egged on by people like Donald Trump, are proud to plow into protesters and the NYPD is doing the same thing and driving their vehicles into protesters, into peaceful protesters? That's not freedom of speech. That's not the freedom of speech on our Bill of Rights. And that's not right. And on Rumble with Michael Moore, he brought up the fact that Aurora, Colorado, where we had this heartrending video of a gentle soul, Elijah McClain, such a gentle soul, being heartlessly, brutally murdered by a couple of murderous cops who were sitting there calmly murdering this young man begging for his life. This fine young man plays the violin as he begs for his life. And then the EMTs or whoever it was injecting him with a drug with a dosage meant for even if it were valid, which it wasn't, that dosage was for someone twice his size to kill him. For what? For nothing. He wasn't doing anything. He was walking down the street and he was wearing a ski mask because he's a gentle person who gets cold. I get cold too. I wear a beanie most of the time because my ears get cold. I understand that feeling. Don't call the cops on a black person. How about that bird watcher in Central Park? You may have seen that. And, and some racist white woman tries to get him killed by calling the cops. Don't call the cops. As public enemy said, 911 is a joke. All the cops do is come in after the fact and clean up the mess if a crime has been committed. But if a crime hasn't committed by a black person, then they're going to come and they're going to make the mess. They're likely to commit murder. You going to call in the murderers? I don't think so. And if, if someone gets assaulted, particularly if that person was a person of color or maybe a woman or a LGBT person, those cops aren't going to care. As an article I just recently read in the New Yorker about the police, a recollection of a um, queer uh, person of color said one time, a friend of his got beat up outside a gay club. And he said, how come you didn't call the cops? He said, what's the point? What's the point? So Elijah McClain in Aurora, Colorado, murdered by a couple of racist, white, brutal, brutal cops. And then Michael Moore points out, Aurora, Colorado. Where did we hear that, that place before? Yeah, that was where a maniac named James Holmes, who happened to be white, walked into a, a crowded movie theater with an automatic weapon and a couple of other weapons and a bulletproof suit. He wasn't unarmed like Elijah McClain. He was heavily armed. And he walked into that movie theater in Colorado and shot 70 people and killed I don't remember how many. When the cops showed up, did they brutalize and kill him? No, they didn't lay a finger on him. They didn't lay a finger on him. He raised up his hands and he was arrested peacefully. And they escorted him calmly to the police department. Not a bruise on him. No one kneeled on his neck. He just killed 20 people and shot 70.
No one kneeled on his neck. Why? Why? Because he was white? When those protesters went armed to the teeth to the state house in Michigan and started screaming at National Guard's people and threatening the state members of the government there, were they arrested? No, they weren't arrested. Were they brutalized? No, because they're white people with guns. So Aurora, Colorado, police department, they have a mass shooter named James Holmes who murders people in a, in a movie theater and they arrest him peacefully. But if someone calls them because a black person is walking down the street wearing a ski mask doing nothing because he just bought a snack at the corner store, he's completely peaceful. They don't even give him a chance. They just tackled him right off the bat. That's completely immoral, unconstitutional, unwarranted, undeserved, brutal. These aren't bad apples. This whole institution is corrupt. And saw an interesting post from someone who actually packages apples to talk about what the term bad apple really means. And the term bad apple has to do with the packaging of apples. And the reason they use it is because a bad apple will, in fact, make the entire barrel bad. And when people who are packing apples for long-term storage are examining those apples, they make sure that none of those apples have even the slightest flaw in them. Because if any of them have the slightest flaw, that will spread to every apple in the barrel. So the concept of a bad apple is that you can't have even one. In fact, that you can't even have an apple that is slightly bad in that barrel. So when police apologists use the term bad apple as if that's not so serious, they're misusing the term because a bad apple will ruin the entire barrel. And as Michael Moore points out in his podcast, the bad apple, you're a bad apple, you're, I'm not even going to use that term, you are part of the corruption, you're complicit in the corruption, if you do not speak out against those who are abusing their power. And the police have way too much power. And when we talk about defund the police, that means take away that power. Don't use them as an occupying force. They're not providing safety. They're providing terror. African-American children have to be told from the time that they're, they're young about how to get out of any encounter with the police alive because any encounter with the police has a frightening likelihood of ending in death and murder by the police. And it happens again and again. I don't probably need to repeat the stories, but they come over and over again. Someone calls the police because someone fell asleep in their car in the Wendy's parking lot. You fell asleep in your car. So what happens? 
what should happen is someone talks to them. And as that person offered to do, let them walk home. They haven't hurt anybody. Most likely, if it was some white kid, they would have been allowed to walk home. But because it was a black man, that ended in him being murdered, shot in the back, shot more than once by two white cops. Happens again and again. Defund the police. A situation like that should be dealt with by an unarmed social worker, someone who is a trained social worker. Aurora cops, they let shooter James Holmes get out free and clear, but they murder a peaceful violin playing Elijah McClain. Cops. Hey, and good news out there. Mississippi struck down its Confederate flag from its state. It's the last state to do so. Hallelujah. Finally happened. And, you know, it, uh, it took a long time. It took a really long time. As Amy Goodman uh, interviewed Derek Johnson on Democracy Now! yesterday, he points out, first of all, that symbol is not the official flag of the Confederacy. It was uh, General Lee's Northern Virginia Army's flag, and it was resurrected as a symbol of segregation, racial oppression, and defiance of civil rights legislation, and the federal government picking up steam to comply with the creed that all men are created equal. It was the symbol displayed along with the burning of the cross in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s as a reign of terror to prevent African Americans in the state of Mississippi as expressed in the song Mississippi Goddamn by Nina Simone. So it's been a long journey, <clears throat> in the words of Derek Johnson on Democracy Now! And state of Mississippi, well, they, uh, they're a big sports state. And that may have been the tipping point that finally, along with all of the demonstrations around the country, tipped them to finally take that stars and bars off their flag. The NCAA, the SEC, clamped down on Mississippi because of it. Kylan Hill, a football star, said he would no longer play under that Mississippi Confederate flag. So the NCAA stood with the people who were contesting the use of that flag in South Carolina, in Mississippi. But sports is big business in Mississippi, and it's an opportunity for universities to recruit. College football generates a tremendous amount of revenue for the state. So when the NCAA and the SEC stated that they were going to take an even stronger stand, it was concerns about the revenue that finally brought the state around. Yeah, well, however you can do it. However you can do it. And money talks. Follow the money. You know the money talks. And if you start hitting them where the money is, then you're going to make them fold. That's what's happening to Facebook right now. Facebook, which I'm talking on right now. Facebook, which is facing a boycott, a well-deserved boycott for being a platform for hate, hate speech, and misinformation, and disinformation. 
You can see Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg on TV looking like some kind of, I, I'm sorry to comment on his appearance, but wow, what in the world does that guy look like? Um, not entirely, okay, I don't want to get too, too insulting about the man's appearance, but he doesn't have any morals, obviously. His morals are money, money, and money. Which, by the way, is what Mitch McConnell once wrote on the blackboard when he was teaching a course about politics. He said, these are the three things you need to succeed in politics. He wrote down money, money, and money. Yeah, Mitch McConnell. There's a good article about Mitch McConnell in the uh, latest or one of the recent New Yorkers from April 20th. Yeah. Uh, good article about Mitch McConnell in this, uh, in this New Yorker. Might pick it up. There's also a good article about uh, Anthony Fauci, who is the uh, head of the uh, National Institutes for Health efforts to fight pandemics and who has been working hard despite the fact that he's now part of the Trump administration, has been a part of multiple administrations since he uh, started his career in the 70s. And he has advanced uh, this article about Anthony Fauci. It's entitled The Good Doctor by Michael Spector. And that's in the same issue of The New Yorker. And it's a pretty in-depth look at uh, Anthony Fauci's background, where he came from, how he came around from being a very conventional doctor, a very conventional researcher in the National Institutes of Health. He spent his entire career there from the time that he graduated from college. And he went there during the Vietnam War and just stuck. And he's been there through multiple administrations. And it was during the AIDS crisis that he really turned around. So he was a huge villain at the beginning of the AIDS crisis because he was trying to stick to, to the age old tropes about how the physicians know best and how, trying to stick to the exact same methodologies that were used for many years. And they were not helping people when you had to go through multiple years long studies before you could release new drugs and people were, who were sick were not allowed to try experimental therapies. And if they were allowed to try them, some of them had to take placebos, which weren't gonna help their conditions. The activists in ACT UP are the ones who got it changed. And they initially were Dr. Fauci's opponents. And in particular, and I'm looking for, for the name of, uh, uh, I believe it was uh, Mr. Harrington, Mark Harrington, Act Up's point man on drug trials, and a couple of the others went up against Dr. Fauci, and he was rightly villainized, but he came around, and he started to advocate for the people who were suffering from AIDS. Right now, he's being villainized again by the conspiracy theorists who are playing right into the hands, and I spoke about it pretty much at length last time, last podcast about QAnon and the QAnon conspiracy umbrella 
And one of their favorite targets is Anthony Fauci. And I've even heard my friend, and I don't know if he's still my friend, um, talk about Anthony Fauci with such venom. And that's playing right into QAnon's hands because at the base of that movement is the idea that Donald Trump is some kind of savior. Yeah, Donald Trump is the savior. And so people like Fauci, who maybe look, make Trump look bad because he believes in science, are the villains. Anybody who believes in science is a villain. And any this whole idea that the entire mainstream media is lying is so absurd on its face because the mainstream media is so huge and encompasses right-wing outlets like Fox News and Breitbart and more, more pro progressive outlets like The Atlantic and Democracy Now! and all of that is, is part of the mainstream media. And in my opinion, yeah, those right-wing uh, fake news organizations like Fox News, false news, disinformation, yeah, they're lying. Well, Facebook promotes some of these lies, has been promoting some of these lies, but finally, they're trying, starting to fold. Why? Because, again, it's the money. Because in the face of the success of the Black Lives Matter movement, fighting the current brutality that is so visible in our society, large corporations, because they're, they're after the money too, and they recognize that if they don't jump on this movement for equality and justice, they're going to lose money. So they are. And they withdrew. So, hey, I'm going to 